It was probably, uh, I think it was like three or four years ago. We were still living in Morrisburg at the time. And I think we had had a vacation. I actually think we were coming from Prince Edward Island. And we'd left the pool, uh, you know, two weeks without any real, other than, yeah, any real attention. And there was a little bit of this uh, green stuff in the pool. And so um, I figured I really have to get at this. So I got right into the pool and, and I was cleaning, cleaning the pool up. And I remember being stung by one of these guys, a wasp. And uh, that, you know, that was part of the course. I'm used to getting stung, and it wasn't a big deal. Um, and uh, it was a really hot day, and, and uh, uh, I remember as I kept working away and trying to scrub the pool and get it cleaned up, I started feeling kind of nauseous, and then I started feeling a little lightheaded, and I thought, um, I probably should get out of this pool. Um, so I, I, I got up, uh, uh, took the steps up, and, and I started to kind of stagger, literally kind of stagger over to, uh, I'm trying to get to the patio doors, right? And uh, eventually I had to just scream out to Colleen, uh, Colleen, Colleen. And uh, when, she, when she got there, uh, I said, I, I think you need to call the, the ambulance. I've been stung, and um, I was down, and I remember my heart starting to to really go crazy, and um, all, all I could do was just kind of lay there, and I felt like I was blacking out. I don't think I actually did, but um, yeah, and so I found out that um, one of the additional gifts of aging for me is becoming allergic to wasps. And so now uh, I faithfully carry my Yappy Pen with me. It's uh, at home right now. Because <laughs> I'm supposed to use an EpiPen. Because an EpiPen is, uh, is a needle with uh, um, adrenaline in it. And so if I get stung, um, the venom that gets into my blood could kill me. I mean, I could have died if the hospital, if I hadn't been taken to the hospital. Um, and they, you know, I was there all day and they were cleaning me up and whatever. Um, and um, I, I, could, I, could, I could have died. But the venom from the bee um, is counteracted by adrenaline, an antidote. And so I, I'm supposed to go like this into my thigh and uh, blue to the sky and I'm Forget the rest. And uh, anyways, it uh, goes there, and then uh, it's supposed to counteract what the wasp, what the wasp has done. Now, if you remember our call to worship today, uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians about a sting. So keep my story in, in the back of your mind, because it, it might come in handy as we go through this, this talk today about the sting of death. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Just what is the sting of death? Well, for some of you might know that uh, my good friend Edward Eyre passed away this week. 
and um, we were able to have just a little memorial service with his family. And um, I suffered the sting of death. Um, it grieved me. It grieved me a lot. I, it, I liked it. I loved it. And um, so I was sad. But is, is this what Paul has in mind when he talks about the sting of death? Because I think that death will always have its sting in that sense. It's always going to hurt. So what is the sting of death? I think we can all understand the concept of uh, being forgiven our sins and, and living eternally with Jesus. But that doesn't eliminate the sting of death. It's a great hope. But when death comes, it's, it, it still hurts. It hurts a lot. And that's not what Paul is talking about. Paul is, is talking here about how we have been able to overcome eternal death. How we have been able to overcome eternal death. Before we uh, consider... Um, how this was accomplished through Jesus, we need to appreciate the scripture talks about two kinds of death. Uh, kind of a first and a second, actually. It's actually, yeah, the first death, I'm going to call it the temporal death. That's the, the death that we're all familiar with, uh, where somebody's body stops functioning. And then there's another death, and, and that I'm, I'm calling eternal death because it is... Um, the fact that, and Scripture teaches that we, we that's not the end, right? That, that the temporal death is not the end. But there could be an eternal death. And, and that eternal death is different than eternal life. If we have eternal life, it's because of Jesus Christ. If we have eternal death, it's because we've rejected Jesus Christ. And so there's temporal death and there's eternal death. And because of our rebellion in the garden, and I said, yes, our rebellion in the garden, God had said to Adam as a consequence of our rebellion in the garden, by the sweat of the brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And so, unless the Lord returns in our lifetime, we're all going to experience that temporal death. The death of the body, and we'll return to the dust. But this is not what Paul is talking about when he says those great words. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's referring to eternal death. Which really isn't death at all, to be honest. <laughs> but death is the word we can use because we think of death as the most horrible thing. Eternal death is eternal separation from God. And when you separate yourself from God for eternity, you are separating yourself from all that is good. 
all that is right, all that is perfect. And you have aligned yourself with all that is evil and all that is bad. And so eternity will be evil. It will be bad. It will be horrible. No wonder it's called a lake of fire. It's brutal. It's horrific. And so when Apostle Paul is talking about the sting of death and the victory that we can have in Christ, he is talking about that eternal death, that we can have victory over that death if we put our hope in Jesus Christ. So how does Jesus Christ make it possible for us to overcome eternal death? Well, the key words in the passage, in our call to worship, in the passage from 1 Corinthians, is the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Let's just take a look at the sting of death is sin. Think back to the wasp and the venom that could have led to my death and could still. But fortunately, I have in my house uh, an EpiPen. <laughs> we all do this. Does anybody really care about the all the time? The venom that causes eternal death is our sin. Just as the venom of the wasp that can lead to death. The venom of sin leads to that eternal death. That death where we could be separated from God and all that is good for eternity. It's our sin that does that. It's our rebellion against God and His commands and His law. Paul uses another term. He, he, because we're, we like things like imagery, he uses a transactional expression. In Romans 6.23 he says, For the wages of sin is death. In other words, your sin earns you death. So you sin all you want. What is going to happen is you're going to get death. Not just temporal death, but eternal death is what you get as the reward for sinning. The law refers, in this case, back up to now, I need to get back up to, and the power of sin is the law. The power of sin is the law, is referring to the fact that God has told us what we need to do to avoid sin. You remember, he gave us all kinds of uh, behaviors and attitudes that we are to adhere to if we are going to be accepted by God. In other words, if we're going to be right with Him or we're going to be perfect. God pinpointed specific behaviors and attitudes that were offensive to Him and bad for us. 
like lying and stealing and committing adultery, hating, murdering, all of these things which are abhorrent to God. And somehow that list, that idea that we could rebel against God is the power of sin. So, the sting of death is sin. Sin is the venom that kills us, but it gets its potency, it gets its power from the law. That's hard to understand, right? How can something that is so good, the law, God's perfect dictates, what He wants from us, what He wants us to do, that which will make us live well and have good lives, how could that be the power of sin? Well, Paul, Paul explains this in Romans 7. We read these words. I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Apart from the law, sin was dead. Because we didn't know what the sin was. But Christ has, and God has, identified what sin is. And therefore, when we choose to do it, we know we are violating the will of God. That's a powerful thing. Actually, so powerful that it leads to death. For apart from the law, sin was dead. But once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. So Paul is not saying that, that, that the law is bad because, because we <laughs> refuse to do it and sin. But it's powerful because it identifies the very things that we do, that we know are a rebellion. And so we knowingly commit acts and think things that we know are offensive to God and abhorrent to Him. And we sin. And that makes sin powerful in our lives. And even to the extent that it causes us that eternal death. So the situation seems very dire, doesn't it? We choose to disobey the law or sin, and the result is eternal separation from God or eternal death. That is dire. And you know what? It's natural. That is natural for us. We are by nature sinful. <laughs> That's just how we roll. That's our default. We choose to sin. But that sin leads to eternal death. How then does Christ give us the antidote? How can Christ be the epipen for our sin? For that venom that rushes through us? How did Christ give us the victory over that death and deal with our sin? We read in Romans 3, but now apart from the law, 
Because the law didn't work for us. Because <laughs> we sinned. <laughs> we could not obey the law perfectly. If we'd been able to obey the law perfectly, Christ would not have come. But we couldn't. But guess what? He could. So we couldn't obey the law perfectly. If we could, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. Because we can't obey the law perfectly, Christ came because he was perfect and he could fulfill the law perfectly on our behalf. And we're getting to the point, aren't we? But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jews and Gentiles, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are freely justified by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. What does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? Satan believes in Jesus Christ, but he's not righteous. Many people believe in Jesus Christ, but they're going to experience eternal death. So what do you have to believe about Jesus Christ? It's not just that he was a good guy or a historical figure or a great leader. Even, it's not that you believe he was the Son of God because Satan believes that. <laughs> Satan believes Jesus is the Son of God. He knows it. He's not saved by that knowledge, is he? What you've got to believe in is this, is what he did for you on the cross. And it has to do with sin, and it has to do with death. It has to do with the sting of death. It has to do with the power of the law. It has to do with it all. That's why Jesus came. He came to address the sting of death, or sin. How did Christ inoculate us from the venom of sin and save us from death? Well, we read that God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. Atonement is something that we don't really think about a lot, but it's a reparation. At the end of a war sometimes, the nation that has caused, has been at fault, the aggressor, will sometimes have to pay reparations to make up for all the damage that they've caused. It's the same with what Christ did. Christ came to pay the reparations for what we did. We should be paying the reparations. We're the ones who rebelled against God. We're the ones who screwed up the earth. We're the ones who, who made this world the place that it is with its sin and its hardship, its hatred, with its wars, with all of the nasty stuff, with the pollution, all of that. That's on us. But Christ came to pay the damages himself, to be our atonement. And so, Christ presented God.
God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. And so we deserve that eternal death because of our sin. But Christ came and died for us in our place. Jesus atoned for our sins by accepting the penalty himself. He paid the reparations. Indeed, where, O oh death, is your victory? Where's the victory now? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The good, I would say even the great, I would say the spectacular news is that our sins have been dealt with and consequently eternal death has been dealt with as a result because death is a result of sin. Now, it's 10 to 12. And some of you are thinking, we're doing a series in Acts and he hasn't even mentioned Acts yet. We're in trouble. <laughs> I'm almost done. But we are going to get to Acts. Acts 9, 36 to 42. Let's just read this story. The story continues. We've been following it word for word pretty much, though I am skipping a little bit of a paragraph. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. For her sake, I hope she used Tabitha. <laughs> She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida, or Lida, it's a place, was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room, and all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room, and then he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. He opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, or so she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows. I like that. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows. Sometimes the widows don't get special treatment. But Peter made sure that they got first dibs on seeing the risen Tabitha and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa. Many people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. i got to read that, and I read the story of Lazarus, and I say, why? Why did God use Peter to raise this one woman from the dead? It, it was a temporal death that was overcome. It wasn't the eternal death that I've been talking about. It was a temporal death that was overcome when, when Peter prayed for this woman and she rose again. Tabitha died again <laughs> sometime later on, right? 
So what's the point? You raise somebody so that they'll die again. Temporally. And why just a few? We only have a record of a few people that were raised from the dead. I mean, it was, it's not like it was a rampant sort of movement of people that were raised from the dead. It's just the odd story here or there. Why? Was it because she was such a good person? Well, there's a lot of good people that don't get, don't die, and then somebody prays and they are risen from the dead. You get what I'm saying? I look at this and I say, why? Why does this happen? This isn't about the gospel. Jesus didn't come so that we wouldn't die temporally in the sense that, you know, the graveyards are going to go out of business and the, and the pastors won't have any funerals to do. That's not why Jesus came. That's not the gospel. That's not the good news even. Why? Well, I can only guess. But I believe that if we go back to when Christ did this, we get the answer. You remember the story of Lazarus, right? Jesus is in one place. He finds out that his good buddy Lazarus is sick and going to die. He waits until he dies before he comes. Lazarus has got two sisters. This family were really good to Jesus and he loved them and they loved him. And Jesus, as he's approaching, he meets Martha. Right? So Jesus deliberately let his buddy Lazarus die. And Martha comes to him, Lord, if he'd been here, he wouldn't have died. What's up? And Jesus said these words. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. So let's put my words in there. All right. I am the resurrection of life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies that temporal death. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die, will experience eternal life. Because on the cross, he overcome the sting of death. He overcome, overcame sin, which leads to eternal death. And so... That's why I don't think we see people being raised from the dead all the time. But I think it's really important that Jesus did it. And I think it's really important that Peter did it because it's like an object lesson. I can raise this person from the temporal death. I can bring them back to life. But that speaks to a greater principle, a greater truth. And that great truth is that Jesus Christ has overcome sin, has taken the venom right out of sin. And he has conquered for us and made us the victors over eternal death. And we can know with absolute certainty that if our sin is dealt with through Jesus Christ, we will have eternal life with him. Here's another way, if you like the transactional idea, 
Sin is removed from the ledger of your life. Sin is removed from the ledger. Doesn't even come up. When Jesus Christ, if we're covered in Christ, when God looks at the ledger of our life and does the adding and subtracting and comes up with, do you have a deficit or do you have a surplus? Sin doesn't even show up on the ledger because Christ has overcome sin for you as the atonement for your sins. This is good news, people. I don't know why you're just sitting there. <laughs> this is good news. This is good news. This is our hope. Our hope isn't that the sting of death will be taken away or, you know, like death won't matter to us anymore. Or that we're going to be risen like Lazarus. No, we're not, probably. There's much greater truth here. And that is that that which separates us from God is removed by Jesus Christ. The ledger is white clear. And you can have eternal life. If there's anybody here who has never accepted that gift, and it is a gift, there's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't be a good boy or a good girl to earn it. You can, you know, seriously, it doesn't matter who you are, how bad you are, what you have done. If there's anybody here who hasn't accepted this gift, good grief. Why not? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, your plan of redemption is wonderful. Your addressing the sin, the sin that we have chosen that leads to eternal separation from you, that, that, that you would actually send your son Jesus Christ and that he would willingly obey you and come and deal with this sin so that we would never experience that eternal death, that eternal separation. Oh Lord, thank you so much. And Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here who's never just accepted that gift by simply saying, uh, I acknowledge my sin and I acknowledge that you have come to take it away from me. Thank you. That's all it takes. If there's anyone like that, Lord, I just pray that they, today would be that day that they would know that they are a victor. Because they've trusted in Jesus who gives us the victory. Who's taken away our sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great day. If you need to talk to somebody, I'll be at the back. I do email. I do not do Twitter. But I'd love to be in touch with you. God bless.